Here's Chavinko. Lovely ball through towards Altidore. Altidore! Toronto FC's big acquisitions combine to tie the game. Josie Altidore. The Two Solid Dude Soccer Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramie. The award-winning soccer podcast that covers every single aspect of Canadian soccer. And now, without further ado, here's Dwayne Rollins. And welcome to the Two Solitudes podcast on an historic day here in Canada. Historic, of course, in that all three Canadian MLS teams make the playoffs for the first time under a Justin Trudeau government. That's what makes this historical, Kevin. Also under any government, but it is a new government here too as well. Coincidence? I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. Who's to say? It's the first time a political uh, you know, family has rose to power in this country and all three teams. Is that symbolic? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, I'm back from vacation, a little tanned, a little sore from all the golf, but so glad that I was able to catch not just the baseball, but the Montreal Impact action while I was on vacation. Uh, they clinched a playoff spot, that Piatti goal, what a wonder goal, Dwayne. And now eh, Montreal's gonna looking upwards, and it's the Derby coming up this Sunday on Decision Day. Life is just beautiful. Yeah, e- exactly. Decision Day, for the first time in Major League history, all of their, well, not all of their games, because they have an Eastern or Western Conference, but all of the conference games, the Eastern games go first, the Western games go after, will take place at the same time, which sort of betrays the whole Supporter Shield Matters thing. You know, if they're not going to play them all at once, it's really about the playoff race in uh, MLS, and that will all happen on Sunday as we play the 612th 401 Derby of the year, Kevin. But it is the most important one until the next one happens, if it does. No, exactly. It's maybe not as important as it could have been. Can you imagine if Montreal hadn't clinched a playoff spot heading to that game? It would have had a lot of writing on for both sides. Now that both teams have clinched a spot, because, uh, yeah, Toronto clinches by two for the first time in its history. So with both teams clinch, uh, maybe, who knows, the tactics, maybe uh, they'll play rope-a-dope and keep some cards in their uh, hands and, and not play fully. Uh, who knows? But it's uh, depending on the results, they might face each other in the playoff as well. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, we're going to break this down a lot more in the show itself, but we'll get at it now. Grant... Needham, who's a former Implac Supra player, even from the 90s, uh, also the color commentator, more importantly, to the uh, cause right now for TSN 690 in Montreal for Impact Games. He joined us to talk about the Impact season, to talk a little bit about the game this weekend, how they might approach it, just sort of what we might think of moving forward here in the Canadian MLS playoff uh, edition and things that are going to happen. I can't even talk. I'm so excited, Kevin. We had Grant on to talk about that. Then we're going to come back, Kevin and I, we're going to break down just our thoughts about MLS and their schedule and and why we think it's a bit absurd that it's really taken this long for things to work themselves out to the way that they probably would have looked all year had we played a damn balanced schedule, which we should. And uh, we'll preview a little bit about what we think is going to happen this weekend. And of course, we'll wrap up the NASL stuff as well in the Canadian Review at the end. Kevin, until that time, I'll shut up. Grant will start talking. I think it was Grant. I think, no, it wasn't Needham. Yeah, it was Grant Needham. I think it was Needham to put it in the back of the net. Grant Needham with the winner. In the 105th minute. Here's the replay again. Spada gets, yeah, Spada gets that ball right in his chest and it goes right back to Needham. And I don't think uh, Onstead had any, any chance to save that one. 
And welcome back to Two Saltudes. I'm Dwayne Rollins. Grant Needham, former Impact player, color commentator for TSN 690 in Montreal for Impact Games, joins us now. Grant, thanks for taking some time to talk about the Impact's uh, playoff clinch and where they go from here. My pleasure, guys. I guess that's the question. Where do they go from here? It's been kind of a strange season in Montreal with the addition of Drogba. The late season surge, sort of a, a weird start to the season with the CCL. That's the question I have. Do you think that that CCL experience playing in those two game ties early sets the impact up ideally for a playoff run? Oh, no. It was an amazing experience for the Montreal Impact, but I also think it hurt their their MLS season because you don't really get a full preseason in. You don't get the guys super fit. You've got uh, games to prepare for, so you're not really doing what the regular preseason stuff is. And I think the first, the start of the MLS season, you saw, you saw that with Montreal. They didn't get great results. Uh, it's sort of a hard to come go back up after you're at such a high with the Champions League final and then you got to go right back into the first regular season game so it was really tough I think it was an amazing experience and it was great for the club to get into a final but I think MLS if they had started with a regular preseason they may not have had to you know go on the road and win two games one in Colorado and the other one in New England to clinch a playoff spot I think it was great experience but it might have hurt them at the beginning of the season but now that's behind them, and I think that the experience of playing in a final is going to help them when it comes to the playoffs. This weekend, of course, the great uh, 401 derby, which happens seemingly every other weekend now, uh, takes place. Uh, there was some thought that it might it might be a, a little bit more important for both teams, although the placement's still there. There's an interesting comparison to, to the two teams. We've got Jovinko on the one side, who's had a, you know a great season, probably will be the league's MVP. You've got Drogba on the other side. Two key players. Are they both one-man teams, though, or is there more to them, specifically the impact, in your case, to these teams than just Drogba in your mind? Well, in my opinion, guys, if Giovinco doesn't get the MVP, then it was then something fixes in because he has been the most dominant player and the best player in the league all year. He's done it consistently. So for me, and, you know, uh, as a Montreal guy, to say a Toronto guy should be the MVP is tough, but he's been the best player. So I think Giovinco should be and will be the MVP. But... It's not a one-man team on by any stretch of the imagination on either side. You've got Bradley, you've got Altador, you've got the supporting cast that allows Giovinco to do those things that he does so well, attack. And uh, if you don't have those supporting players, he doesn't get those opportunities to go forward. Flip it to Montreal. I think that Drogba is Montreal's obviously the most marquee player, maybe the most marquee player in the league at this point right now. But... I think he might be the marquee player, but when everything goes, it goes through Piatti. And so that's the second guy. And then Montreal also has a great supporting cast. They've got Simon in the back with all the experience playing for Belgium. And uh, he's a winner as well. And then you've got Evan Bush, who's, you know, first year as the number one keeper in Montreal. And he's been fantastic. I don't believe that either of these teams are one-man shows, not by any stretch of the imagination. But each of their teams has a player, like a Giovinco or a Drogba, that can win a game by themselves. And when you get into playoffs, you get into one-off games, having that superstar that can win a game by themselves, that is the difference between winning championships and losing. With the presence of Didier Drogba over the last few months, the, the work of Mauro Biello has been forgotten. Grant, do you think Mauro has done enough for the interim tag to be removed permanently? 
Well, I actually don't think that the, the work of Moro Bill has gone unnoticed. For the people that are, it's important that, yes, you've got a guy like J.J. Drogba, and he's putting people in the stands, and he's scoring goals, but it's what Montreal's been able to do with the other positions, the tactics they use, the changes. I think that Mauro Biello has done an unbelievable job for the Montreal Impact. And if it hasn't been announced or it's not in the thoughts, that interim tag is going to come off and he's going to sign a contract to be the coach coming back next year and for the years to come. I think that uh, he is involved. He gets the players. He's more of a European manager as opposed to a North American coach. He manages his players. He manages the squad he has. Every single person on that squad knows what his role is and what's going to be what's needed from them moving forward. And he came out and said, every single guy on my squad is going to be important to get into the playoffs. And true to his word, he's actually used that. He's changed tactics. He's looked at his personnel. I think he's done an unbelievable job for Montreal. And if they had him maybe a couple of weeks earlier, again, they might not be in the position of hoping to, you know, having to win on the road to clinch a playoff spot. I think that uh, he's still a young coach. He's going to have a lot to learn. If he surrounds himself with the right people, he will be a very successful coach. Uh, it does also help that you have a drug by in your lineup that can score goals at uh, on set pieces, and he seems to have scored you know, nine goals in ten games. Helps any coach. You mentioned the set pieces. Let's go there. Uh, the Montreal Impact have been known for the lack of results on set pieces over the last, what, 20 years. With Didier Drogba, <laughs> that changed. How important... Hey, 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 20 years. I was playing back then. Uh, true. Uh, how does the DJ Drogba presence change almost everything on the set pieces? Well, it's actually, you see the change in the evolution of the Montreal Impact this year. Last year, they scored zero. Zero away wins zero set-piece goals. This year, Laurent Simon scored a couple of goals, Lefebvre scored one, Toya scored one. This is all before DJ Drogba showed up. And now you have a guy that can score set-pieces directly in shots, and that's a DJ Drogba. He also has the ability to freeze goalies, and they, they're worried about the shot, so those balls clipped into the dangerous spaces and behind defenders on set-pieces are much more dangerous because the goalie's got to respect the shot. So having someone that can and does punish teams on set pieces just opens up all kinds of possibilities and forces the team that they're playing against to respect that. They haven't had that in years. They haven't had that in probably five years since they were four years they've been in the league. So it's huge to have a guy that can score on set pieces and the danger of having that guy just opens up uh, different avenues. And now teams are worried about giving away fouls and free kicks and set pieces in dangerous areas. Grant, I, I'm have, I have an interest about this particular weekend. The playoffs are fun to think about, uh, especially here in Toronto where that's something that we, we weren't even aware were there before. You know, it's it's first time in nine years, second appearance for the Impact. But we do have another game first, and I'm curious, how do you think the Impact are going to approach it? You look at the standings right now, DC 51, Columbus 50, TFC 49, Montreal 48, New England 47. You could throw sticks in the air and wherever they land might be how those things wash out. So do you think they play this tactically and maybe not show their full hand because they could be have hosting the same team three, four days later or going down the highway three, four day, days later to play the same team again? How will these teams approach the Sunday's game? It's funny you say that. I thought about it and I go, I think both teams have the same mindset. Both teams understand that Winning on the road in the MLS is a very difficult thing to do, especially in pressure-packed situations. Montreal, last time they had a playoff game, they went to Houston, they got spanked 3 nothing, and it could have been worse. So I think both teams understand that getting a second, third, or fourth seed 
is key to being successful in the playoffs. And I think both teams put out their full team and they play for the win. Or in Toronto's case, you play for a result and you just stay ahead of Montreal. Montreal has to go forward. A tie is not good enough for them to leapfrog anybody. They've got to get three points. And if they get three points, then they can host the game. So I think that both teams are going after this game as if it's very vitally important because it is. If you can host the playoff game, that's the key to being successful in the playoffs. A blunt question, Grant. Will 2015 erase the hard memories of 2013 in Houston? I think it already has. I think that, uh, you know, we talked about earlier in the show about the Champions League. That was something that was super special for the fans. Great for the club as well. You know, you know, financially you get 60,000 people showing up at the big O, and that's just a big, huge whirlwind uh, success for the Saputo family. And I think that uh, 2015 in Houston, there's only one player that's eligible to play with Kamara being on that team that uh, remembers anything about what happened in that 2015. It's a different team. Different uh, strategies, whole new lineup. So I think that people forget about 2013 and they just look at what's present. And I think that uh, Sunday is going to be a huge result. And obviously the playoffs are going to be fun to watch. Grant, you were part of the the scene back in the 90s playing for the Supra, the Impact. Uh, you're a part of the scene now uh, commentating for the Impact. Just how different is the game in Quebec right now compared to, to when you played professionally in the 90s? Guys, just uh, you know, just looking at their training facility, they've got four fields: two natural grass, two synthetic. We had one field, and we were lucky to have a changing room. They've got a. It, it's so different. It's fully professional. You know, looking back at the career in the, you know, late '80s, early '90s, it was a professional league in name but not really in functionality. And now you see the money that's put into the team. You see the development of the players. You see the evolution of the game. And it's fantastic for someone like myself, who was part of it back then, sort of the founding fathers after the, uh, the Matic League felt folded. You've got uh, the CSL that was around. So just to see the evolution of the MLS and how successful these clubs are becoming, it's huge. And, you know, to be, still have my hand in it in some small part is a blessing. Are you hoping for a Montreal-Toronto playoff game? I'm looking for a Montreal-Toronto playoff game and then a Mon either a Montreal-Toronto versus Vancouver in the final. I think an all-Canadian final will really put some uh, some noses out of joint in the MLS. And that would be fun. Grant Needham, color commentator, TSN 690, former Impact player. We do thank you for your time today, Grant. Thanks, guys. You are listening to the Two Solitude Soccer Podcast on Sports Podcasting Network. Help support the network. Patreon.com slash Kevin Laramie. More money means more shows, more bandwidth, more equipment, more microphones, more guests, more pleasure, more shows, more Canadian, more Canadian soccer, more Canadian soccer news, more shows, more fun, and that all for you. With your support, we can do more. Patreon.com slash Kevin Laramie. And welcome back to the Two Solitudes. Thanks again for uh, Grant for joining us. Interesting weekend ahead. It is the uh, decision day, as, as MLS is calling it, which is kind of giving me PTSD here because we just went through 78 days of decision day in our government, as I said off the top. So I'm, I'm glad <laughs> to be done with that. 
Uh, but we do have one more on Sunday, one that might be a little more fun for sports fans out there. Lots to play for on both sides of the ledger. Uh, we'll start with the East because we came out of an East conversation. New York has clinched first place there, but everything else is up for grabs. As I said in the interview, D.C. United on 51 points, Columbus on 50, TFC on 49, Montreal on 48, Vancouver on 47. It becomes a, a mess, right? New York's clinched. We know that. So they have the bye. They have some week off. They, they're they going to be resting players. Uh, they're going to be do all, doing all the things that they need to do, whereas the rest of the of the mess, they can finish anywhere, 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 right? TFC and Montreal, where it stands for them. If Montreal wins outright, they can get a bye and host a game. Not get a bye, get a host a game. Um, whereas TFC, they can win and they could even perceivably get to second place. But a lot has to happen for that to occur. First of all, the results have to take place. For you, do, If you're not aware of the playoff format, Kevin, and I know you are, but uh, if our listeners aren't, first and second get a bye. On uh, fourth place, six or yeah, fourth place, six, fifth place, sorry, third place, sixth, fifth place, fourth. It gets confusing because of the numbers. Uh, then they reseed from there and just go into a simple one, you know, first seed versus fourth seed, second seed versus third seed into a final on um, both sides of it. The West right now, as it stands, Dallas 57, they have clinched. The Galaxy have 51. Vancouver is 50. Portland is 50. Seattle is 48. Kansas City is 48, and San Jose is still in the mix with 47. That is the only um, playoff spot still up for grabs. So Seattle, uh, Sporting Kansas City, and Salt Lake are all sort of still in the mix where they could miss out, Salt Lake being the one most likely. No, so, so. Salt Lake is already eliminated. You're talking about San Jose. San, sorry, San Jose, yeah. Because it's, it's historic. It's one of the first times Salt Lake gets eliminated that early. So Yeah, my notes. I just have SJ here, and I was reading it as Salt Lake because <laughs> there's Sporting Kansas City above it. So, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. So it's going to be an interesting sort of battle. As I said, the games are all – all on at the same time, depending on the conference. You've got uh, Chicago versus New York, Montreal versus Toronto, as we know, Columbus versus D.C., Philly versus Orlando, that doesn't matter. Uh, NYCFC plays New England, so you would think that New England would be the favorite there. And then at 7 o'clock, the other games go. SKC plays L.A., uh, San Jose plays Dallas, so a bit of a break for uh, the Earthquakes playing the team that has is already clinched, although Dallas will want to win the Supporters' Shield, of course. Seattle versus RSL, Portland versus Colorado, and Vancouver plays Houston. Wow, a lot to play for in this past weekend. Uh, as it relates to the Canadian teams, though, Kevin, uh, how do you think the impact will approach the game against Toronto? They need to win. Like Grant said, they're approaching as a must-win game because you do want to host that playoff game. You do want to have all the chance on your side because in the playoff game, you never know what's going to happen. And if it's a home game, it's a little more in your control. So every team is going for that. Not just that, it's a, it's a rivalry. It's a derby against Toronto. And they want to surpass it. They want to, uh, the big stars want to be the best stars on uh, on the pitch. They want to be known as in the best Canadian team. And it's all to play for. They can even surpass Vancouver in the amount of points because Vancouver has been struggling lately. So it's all to play for. And even though all Canadian teams have clinched a playoff spot, that playoff spot is not determined yet. It could be almost up to second if all the cards fall into place. You never know what can happen. So you need to approach that game with a win because that three points can get a long way. Montreal can get up to 51 points. So there's a shot of them third and hosting a game. You never know what can happen. But a win is a must. And that's how they approach it. I don't think they're going to hold anything back. I don't think they're going to tactically play different in case they're playing Toronto the next week. I think uh, uh, that's looking too far ahead and when you look too far ahead you might get burned so yeah 
Yeah, even really from scoreboard watching and distraction, things like that, this is not a case of of the possibility of being eliminated. I think it might have been much different if it was a, a need to win and go in sort of situation yes. or if, you know, had, had results gone a little differently last weekend and TFC was sitting in a position where they – they were already assured of playing a home date, which they would have been had they got the result this weekend. That's so TFC that they didn't. But anyway, you can have a little chuckle of that non-TFC fans. Uh, but this one is more about home field and, and playoffs. It, look, it becomes tough because it is hard to win on the road. But at the same time, these teams are so close this year that I look at all of them and I see glaring weaknesses in, in all five of these teams here and New York being the one exception that, that stands out. But then again, TFC even beat them. So it, it is a, a wild chase for those those playoff games. And Montreal gave them a good go in New York a couple of weeks ago to get that result. So you really, the parity is there. From top to bottom, the team that I've qualified in the Eastern Conference on any given day can beat each other. That's why I think the home game is even more important because of the fact that all the teams are so close. And we're talking off air like it took a while to get the picture on the standings. As we know, the picture was. They were tight because of the game in hands. The picture was uh, maybe uh, miscued some of the weeks, but uh, Montreal were around fifth or sixth in the East and Toronto around fourth or fifth. Be, be, with the points per game average, we saw that standing, but it took what? 33 weeks to get it on the on the actual standing but finally we have the the a real picture of the eastern conference i think yeah as i was arguing with people all year games in hand and home game discrepancies they do matter because mls is a league where where things even up at the end and certainly we're seeing it uh this year we'll have more of a full playoff preview on probably 2se on on friday uh, but in the meantime, we'll, we'll focus on the uh, on the western side of this ledger here and the struggling uh, Whitecaps. Uh, I remember having conversation with Whitecaps fans a few weeks ago where they were dismissive of Montreal and Toronto, calling them, you know, mediocrity and running for mid-table while they were battling for first. Well, here we are with both the impact and TFC could pass the Whitecaps next week with a win and a Whitecaps loss. I think that it's vital for them, however, to to just simply go out and worry. Obviously, I don't think they're worrying about finishing as the top Canadian team in the standings, although some of their fans might be. But in terms of the team, they just need to get some results because they are a sinking stone at this particular part, and they could they could slip completely out of a home playoff date right now. No, exactly. One thing that we th- we thought was almost guaranteed was a home game for the Whitecaps, the way they were cruising all well, not cruising, but the way they were all season long. With their late slump now going in the worst time of the season, and with the other Canadian teams getting quite a momentum, uh, that spot is up for grabs now. And they could finish as far as fourth, if not fifth, in the Western Conference, depending on who wins and who loses and who finishes out of the playoff picture in the Western Conference. Wow, that can mean on the road for the first game in the playoff and not necessarily an easy situation. So uh, they're not putting all the cards in their hand right now. They're not putting all the uh, fa- the assets they have in the they have a CCL game. That's the thing. On the 22nd, before decision day, which is what, uh, two days from now, they have a CCM game against Olympia. They have to travel. So uh, who knows who's going to play that game, but they have to divide their attention at the worst timing possible. So that's another thing they have to think about. Yeah, it is in their hands. They are at home. They are against a non-playoff team. But then again, you know, any slip-up could 
could make a lot make things a lot of tense or very tense at the end of the game in Vancouver because you have Seattle playing RSL, you have Portland playing Colorado. So these are the if both of those results go against the Whitecaps and the Whitecaps also lose, then they're slipping down. They are going to be in one of those road playoff positions. And that's not something I think any Whitecap fan thought possible just a few short weeks ago. <sighs> I don't know, Kevin. The CCL game is happening midweek. No, I think Vancouver, the way they approach that is, is quite simple. They're going to play as many kids as they can in that game because it doesn't matter for them. They already sort of dumped themselves out of that competition, but they still have the burden of having to play it. Um, it is going to be uh, going to be something that they're they're probably not excited about. I'll be curious to see how they approach that game. Absolutely. That game, where is it? It's down. Oh, yeah, it's down there too. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I can also see, you know, they're probably their their tactical staff won't even travel. The biggest interference with that isn't necessarily the players playing because they can play guys that have very few minutes and and not even try very hard if they want to. But it's they have, still have to take a bunch of their staff and a bunch of their players and put them on a plane and fly them into Central America in the middle of their most important preparation week. So it is going to interfere and affect the training for that particular week. And that's the factor I think a lot of people uh, tend not to think of. So... That is something uh, to watch for. Meanwhile, of course, Montreal and Toronto have the advantage of, in Montreal's case, staying at home. In Toronto, they haven't left Canada in six weeks. So uh, they're just going to get on a train probably and uh, go up to Montreal on Friday and uh, and get at it. Uh, and it's, it's such an easy travel, probably the easiest in the league if you do Montreal to Toronto by train because they're going to be in first class. It's a lot of legroom, a lot of comfort, and a lot of homeliness you could say in a train that really it's an easier travel than going through security and airplane travel so i think it favors not necessarily toronto but it favors for a better rest for the players heading to the final game than having to take the plane and travel across the country twice in the week like vancouver yeah well if they don't take the train they might just jump on a porter flight too which is an hour in a you know yeah, a lear jet so anyway it's It'll be fine travel-wise there. Uh, the hope for both, uh, you know, it's, it's not possible. Is it possible for, no, it's not because they play each other. I'm doing my math. It's very complicated when everyone plays each other. But if they, if, uh, you know, Montreal and Toronto will take points off each other in one way or another. So it obviously both teams can't be uh, at a home playoff date. So there will only be one. But uh, there should be one. And I think that, that that historic moment of the first Canadian playoff game on Canadian soil uh, will take place regardless because between all the results here that uh, yeah it has to because TFC or Montreal will get points I'm rambling now Kevin maybe it's time (laughs) the only thing if both if it's a tie if it's like a a draw nil-nil draw maybe there's a chance they finish fifth and sixth depending on New England's results so uh, that is something that can happen as well which would leave both teams without a home playoff date and who knows Vancouver is going to get one so it might not be fully assured if uh, there's a draw in Montreal this Sunday. All right, fair enough. I think on that note, let's let's take the break. We'll come back and we'll break down what did happen last week rather than what might happen next week. The Canadian Review on the Two Solitude Soccer Podcast. And welcome back to the Canadian Review. NASL will start there. The Ottawa Fury's great season continues. We all know that they will be hosting a playoff game. It matters what seed they'll be and whether they might potentially be hosting the soccer ball. Still up for grabs. They are two points up on the Cosmos for the overall lead in the NASL season with a 1-0 win this weekend over San Antonio. Uh, they are on 52 points. The Cosmos are on 50. Minnesota is still in the mix for 49 there. Uh, Ottawa 
on the fall season, if you consider that a banner, a championship onto its own, they need one more point or one point lost from Minnesota to uh, clinch the fall season title. So great results for the Fury. Less so out in Edmonton where they pretty much were eliminated. There still is a mathematical chance that they could uh, find their way into the playoffs. It would require a lot of things to fall their way. So I, I it, there's no point us explaining them because it basically is, is done. They, they would need to win and hope six other teams lose a bunch of games. So it's, it's done there, but still a, a good second half at times for FC Edmonton. Uh, they have finished higher up the table than they, they have in the past. And, and I think there's something to build on there, Kevin, if they, if they'd started that for the spring season, I think Edmonton's uh, spring season is what really bit them in the bum. No, absolutely. Yes, and the fact that the last couple of weeks they have a bad three-game stretch with finishing down to 10 men, having, having Lance Lang uh, been with Jamaica in the worst timing possible, even though he didn't play. All those little incidents that happened with Edmonton over the last couple of weeks, which explains the results they did have, and now they're mathematically not eliminated yet, but realistically. I think you need Tampa Bay to lose three, another team to lose three and it's almost impossible for all of those things to happen in the world of probabilities so basically Edmonton are out of the playoffs yeah so we'll, we'll put our focus mostly on the Fury moving forward to probably get another Fury guest on soon November 8th is when the playoffs start in the NASL so a little bit later than MLS which of course start uh, next week uh, amazingly so uh, it's, we're less than a week away from that so lots of exciting stuff there uh, we're not going to focus on the forward as we did a little bit in the middle section on that for uh, the, the Canadian teams in the playoffs we'll, we'll instead focus on the past uh Vancouver had the bye this week. Uh, that's why they didn't get any points. But they, they're coming off the uh, the loss, two losses to Dallas, uh, which pretty much put Dallas in the driver's seat to, to what well, do they have clinched the, the West at this point. Um, so thank you, uh, Dallas. Thanks, Vancouver, for that. Uh, they now have the uh, the prospect of playing the two games this week. But, uh, you know, the only thing to talk about there is, is why is there a bye week with a week to go in the season? That is ridiculous, and MLS needs to figure its scheduling out. I don't care about the CCL snuck in there. It's, it is what it is. You play on multiple fronts if you have to play on multiple fronts. So here we are. Um, let's move to Montreal where the big winner in Piatti's goal. Kevin, just how good was Piatti's goal? Wow, about 25, 26 yards out after a run since midfield, eluded two, three players, got himself into position to, in FIFA term, hold the uh, the right bumper, so a finesse shot on the far corner. What a great ball that literally took the keeper by surprise and just curled in. It's in the nomination for goal of the week, so go vote for Nacho Piatti right now. But that goal is one of the nicest goals, and this week there have been a couple of great goals. That Javinko goal, which on the same day he took the plane from Italy, comes back to Toronto, make a great run from about midfield with a great laser beam shot. So a lot of goals that are similar this week that are just spectacular. Yeah, it's hard to remember the Jamaica game was, of course, this week as well. The the game against New York, of course, because we we're thinking of the Toronto of the Columbus game, where, you know, they they were that so TFC on the on the day they uh, they cracked it up after getting ahead. But let's focus a bit more on Montreal uh, for now for the for the meantime before we go back to Toronto. Look, it was vital, I think, Kevin, to to get that result. Uh, to make sure that they didn't have the pressure of trying to clinch a playoff berth against Toronto in that last week. Because you know that TFC and their fans that are traveling would have wanted nothing more than to have that moment to eliminate the impact. Now that's not on the table. And now you can play that game a little bit more. You still want to win it, as we said in the last section, but you can be a little bit more careful about 
about it than if you were absolutely facing a must win. No, I know it. It's character defining too when you get two result on the road. When you, it was hard to win a game on the road all season long. Now. In the crunch, you win two back-to-back on the road. Granted, it was Colorado, but uh, this one against uh, New England, a team that is in the playoff hunt. It's in the playoff by a hair, but it's in the playoff now. It's been slumping lately, but still, you went to New England, a place where it's not easy to play because it's cold. It's on a turf. It's in Foxborough. Nobody cares about Foxborough. So it's it's a hard place to win at, and they did win. And uh, what really defines it, they didn't win because of Drogba. They won because of Piatti. And if both players can be at a peak performance at the same time, this team can be dangerous. We talked about the Bradley and Altador and Javinko combination. Well, the Drogba and Piotti combination uh, with Venegas, who knows, can be very dangerous in a one-off or a home-and-away series in the playoffs. So I think both teams are going into the playoff with a good momentum. And for Montreal, it's very different than in 2013 when they slumped. They basically fell and stumbled into the playoff. Now it's, it's getting be very different because of their two wins on the road. So even if they play on the road, they're going to have that certain confidence that they just did that. You know, basically we were playoff games. They got the result and the job done. So I think the confidence is with Montreal heading into this Sunday, but more heading into the playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs are a weird one in MLS. I think that if Montreal can get through that, this goes for any of the other two teams as well, get through that play-in game, then it's a much different it's a much different prospect playing in the MLS playoffs because you get a home date for sure. You can you can play that road game to to lose closely or to draw and, and you don't have to worry about it. Whereas in the playing game, it's all or nothing, right? It, it totally changes how you approach a game. And that's that's the biggest complication uh, to, to playing in the road in the MLS playoffs is that first round where it's one and out. It's basically a cup final, then home and away series, then another cup final, the way that the playoffs are set. And Montreal has experience in both those settings, but more in the home and away series because of the CCL. So that experience will come into play if they get to that home and away series, which is basically all the Canadian team's goal in the playoff for now. It's to get that home and away series in the the conference final. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the conference semifinal as well. well, Yeah, Yeah, you get the two rounds that have the home and the way. Like for those that don't know, again, because the MLS playoff format changes every year. Every couple of years, yeah. It's like if they randomly make it's it up. It's going to be different next year too, Dwayne. And wait, 2017, there's going to be more teams. Yeah, they they change it all the time. Yeah, it is different this year, and it was different the year before. It's different the year before. But basically, you have the one-game play-in game. Some people don't even consider that playoffs, which you know maybe that's being pedantic or not, but it's a wild-card game, a play-in game, however you want to call it. That gets you into the round of the semifinals where you play home-on-home, home, then you play in the Conference final, a home and home again, which recently, until recently, it was only the second round that was the home and home. Now it's the second and third round. And then the MLS Cup final is again back to a cup final. So it gets very confusing to people. I, they'll never, I think, switch the uh, MLS Cup to a two-legged uh, round because that would be that would be confusing to TV audiences, I think, that don't that tune in for one game. And that's why MLS wants to avoid a dead rubber. Rubber is essentially what happened and why they're, they're avoiding that and why they avoided it for years. I tend to don't like the fact they go back and forth. I'd rather they go one way or the other, that all your rounds are home and homes or they're not. You know what I mean? It would be okay for me to take another week off, have these first-round games, play home and home so the wildcard teams get a home game, and then you go into your second round if you want to keep the same format. But uh, it's confusing because they change it every year, as I said. 
No, but uh, just have an experience, a final that has been played on a home and away series this year, Dwayne. I was there in Mexico. I was there in Montreal. And it's kind of weird to have a final spread into two games. Because, yeah, the game Mexico City had that final, t- that final feel to it. But it wasn't as much as the game in Montreal. Uh, the second game of that final really felt like a final. The first half, just the, the game in Mexico felt like an important game. But it didn't have that cup feeling. So... I kind of like that one game final because of that. It has a more a hype, a buzz, a, something around it because those 90 minutes or maybe extra time, but that's it. It's not spread over two games and you don't have the scenarios and the team not going all out because they know they can win on the road or at home and you don't have that in a one-off. And one-off is one-off and you get the result that you have and I, there's something romantic about that. Yeah, absolutely. What's very northern North America, northern North American of this too, to think that way, because obviously, if you look in Latin America throughout that region, they play two leg finals all the time. But it's not something that's necessarily in our mindset. So I think we should probably consider that as well. But uh, let's move on to TFC. Uh, the game against New York. We'll start there. Was a brilliant effort against the top team, and it, and it clinched the playoff berth. And you know, I wrote a column for the first time, uh, about a single game column, the first time in a while, because I'd stopped doing that because I felt that we were over focusing on single results as they went. But I did think it deserved to be deserved to be represented in in that form. Uh, after that, it was a, a remarkable night in Toronto. The emotion of nine years. Uh, you tr- couldn't be cynical about it. I think I expressed it in that column on CanadianSoccerNews.com uh, that it really was impossible to be cynical that night because it really was just about those fans that had stuck with it and, and finally got their due and have a night where they, they got to celebrate and, and enjoy themselves like they used to. And it, it was remarkable. And then you turn around Saturday and, well, it didn't go quite as well. Columbus is a very good team, though, and I think that we shouldn't lose sight of that. Um, Toronto had the better better play, I think, early on in that game until Columbus got the goal off the set piece. It was a marking issue, as all of TFC's goals against are. Guy, it was Delgado, let the man get goal side on a free kick, got his foot to it, caught the caught the keeper off guard, in it went. So, you know, it is what it is, and that's TFC's biggest burden. They they can't figure out how to mark. <laughs> you know, they can't do basic marking defensive issues, and until they do that, you know, the idea of them running to a championship does seem far-fetched. However, as I said all year, they are certainly good enough to to easily qualify for a playoffs, and when it all shook down... It kind of was anticlimactic on a logical sense, if not an emotional sense. Yep, and now it's all to play for this Sunday because both teams can surpass. If Montreal beats Toronto, Montreal finishes ahead of Toronto in the standings. And if Toronto gets a result or beats Montreal, they finish in front of Montreal and they might host a playoff game at BMO Field. So uh, that advantage is worth to play for. So we might get a cracker of a game this Sunday. Yeah, well, what what we've been told here by the club is that a draw would clinch a playoff, a home playoff game for TFC. So, um, you know, maybe we should check their math, but that's the math I've been told is that a draw would give TFC fourth place uh, just based on tiebreakers. So, uh, you know, that would uh, potentially, a draw probably be, would be the result that would give you a return Montreal-Toronto playoff series, which is what I think a lot of people that are neutrals are cheering for. Um, it would be certainly interesting to, to see, uh in terms of their their play, you know, I don't know what else to say about Sunday. I think or Saturday, two games in a week, that is a tough thing to overcome. 
uh, as well. Uh, it is a factor that you have to look at across the board when you're watching MLS and handicapping MLS plays. If a team's played midweek, they do tend to have much less points per game on their on their Saturday game. Toronto was in that situation on Saturday. They took advantage of it the Saturday before. Uh, when they beat Philadelphia. So, you know, it comes and it goes. So over the course of a season, that stuff evens out, just like the games at hand even themselves out. Um, So it's not an excuse, but it is a factor on the individual day. And I think it probably was a factor on that day, especially when you you look at guys like Bradley that were flying all over the world and playing emotional games against Mexico, which essentially was the equivalent of a playoff game. And they come back and they play another essential playoff game on Wednesday night. And then they have to play, you know, it, it, it wears down. So this game really, uh, this week is interesting. And that's the the thing that I wonder about this game and why I'm sort of, from a TFC-only perspective, I think that they may approach it slightly different than Montreal. I do think, as Grant said, that Montreal will want to win this game. They'll want to make that statement, whereas I think that Toronto is focused more on getting themselves ready emotionally to play in that playoff game. And I think that perhaps it's possible that they've even emotionally prepared themselves to play it on the road. Uh, That's not ideal the way TFC's played in the road lately, but that I think is mentally where they're at because they're pretty mentally exhausted. A lot of them from the last sort of month of the, of the battle when you factor in the American side of it as well. No, absolutely. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting decision day. Yeah, let me ask you this. We'll end with a little bit of conversation about the Derby itself. Is this uh, um, the most anticipated Derby in a while this weekend, or do you think the fact that they uh, that they could potentially play less than a week later in a second matchup taking a bit away from that, or is it even adding to the uh, anticipation for this weekend? I think it's adding, and I think because it's always... Now it's almost a tradition that both teams face each other in the last game of the season. With now with playoff implication or at least playoff position implication, I think it's been looked upon as one of the games you highlight on your calendar. And I think both teams are going to be up for it. And we anticipate not just a rivalry on the pitch, but we anticipate an actual great game with great skills and great superstars in the world of Football, and that's what we have with both teams now. I think for all those reasons, the move that Montreal did, Toronto did over the last 12 months, I think that game has been highlighted now with the presence of Drogba, Javinko, and all that. So I really am really excited for the game this Sunday. Fair enough. Um, if I know that Toronto has sold out their allotment, uh, there will be tra- several fans that are traveling up, but it is much more difficult to get impact tickets uh, just out and about like in the past couple games up there they weren't selling out so Toronto fans would just go up and get tickets so I anticipate that the traveling uh, crowd will be five six hundred probably this weekend whatever they were given um if there is a playoff game back at BMO I think there's a potential of, of a big traveling crowd because they have 30,000 tickets to move in a very short period of time and Montreal fans could gobble them up if they wanted to um they might even allow like a couple thousand to be sold that's sort of how MLSC rolls uh, how many do you think would travel if they had the opportunity to like that's that's pretend that there's no limit on the amount of tickets that TFC will sell the impact of four-way support. Do you uh, anticipate Joey would bring buses? Do you anticipate that the supporters would quickly organize buses? Like how many fans do you think would come potentially to a, a playoff game in Toronto uh, midweek? Well, if you take the recent trips out of your memory, which were not really big and small compared to the previous years, the only thing hindering that possibility of having a big away support for a playoff game is the fact that it's a quick turnaround and you need to organize in just a few few days a very short time period to get everything settled to get the hotel or accommodation necessarily or just doing a quick go uh, you go away trip like uh, basically you don't stay there you go there for the game and come back uh, 
I would say 500 people would probably be the max between 500 and 1,000 because of the short turnaround time. If it was in a home and away and you have like at least a week to prepare, maybe it would be even more. But it's interesting. If the club facilitates the preparation to by getting buses or anything, uh, that number can quiet, can climb very quickly. Yeah, the, the only realistic way TFC in Montreal would play a home and away would be in the, the Eastern Cup final or the Eastern Conference final if they were somehow both make it. Uh, it's unlikely that it will shake itself out in the proper way. Not impossible, but unlikely that it would for a semifinal. You would, uh, there would be an upset involved. You would have to have the sixth seed go through. Have them. Yeah, you have to try to win this Sunday, Montreal finishing sixth, Montreal beating the third seed or fourth seed, and then moving it, on, yeah. It, yeah, Montreal would have to, I think it would be, the impact would need to finish sixth. And uh, I don't even know how this would work exactly. I'm trying to figure this out. And I, I think it, it might actually be impossible as I'm looking at this with the fact that they're playing each other this weekend. Like, yeah. Toronto, I know. Sir, I got it. I'm thinking as we go here, guys. It would require, sorry, Montreal fans, it would require Montreal to, or Toronto to win and clinch the second seed because I don't believe that Montreal can get to the second seed. And then for Montreal to win and, and be the lowest seed or the second lowest seed remaining in the next round. That's how it would work. Uh, so you'd have to have New England losing this weekend, Toronto winning this weekend, Montreal obviously wouldn't get the win there, and then you have to buy and blah, 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 blah. A lot would have to happen. It's more likely that it would happen in a conference final, so let's not worry about that right now. Um, Kevin, um, it's there's a lot to absorb until then. Uh, there's a lot to play for this weekend, of course. It is a unique situation since uh, the nine years of the MLS year in Canadian soccer that uh, – that there would be a Canadian team. There are all three Canadian teams in, but we are facing that right now. So let's just pause for now. Think about it. We'll be back with a with more playoff preview later in this week. Uh, but for today, Kevin, why don't you say goodbye? Uh, stay tuned to the Sports Podcasting Network today for the return of the Uncensored Hockey Show with myself and Daniel Feierstein. Baseball show coming up later, too. We'll talk about the Blue Jays. So stay tuned to the Sports Podcasting Network. iTunes, Stitcher, Everywhere you get your podcasts. And until then, have a great soccer.